<laughs> oh my god i don't know why i got i got the sudden urge to just make that sound so here we are <laughs> uh welcome in welcome folks. to the, this is welcome we, to the newest episode of zoe 101 the zoco show is here <laughs> oh yeah no it is uh episode 102 of the soco show this is the co-host cody michael i'm joined as always by the so host seth Ott. i'm just another kind of girl <laughs> Do I look good today? That's a good... Man, that's a banger. If you don't know, Zoe 101 theme song. Uh, is a banger. That's it. Certifiable. <laughs> All right. End the show. We figured it out. That's it, guys. That's This whole podcast was to decide whether or not it was a banger. It is. Game over. We're done. Thanks a we lot for will. joining us. See you next week. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, Zoe 101 aside, uh, we are here back with another episode, 102. Uh, got a lot of cool stuff to talk about today. Uh, it's all movies, all movie episode. Um, I know you. some of you were, were hoping we might have gotten to uh, Stranger Things for the TV corner. We'll be saving that for next week because uh, we got a lot of movie stuff to uh, to talk about. But before that, Seth, again, you, you, told, me, you told me you got something you want to open with. Uh, <laughs> what do you got for us this time? Well, it's, uh, it's really a celebration that I want to open with, an anniversary. And this is also something that took place in 2004, much like Zoe 101. Um, 2004, July of 2004, marks the 15-year anniversary of Ashley Simpson's autobiography CD coming out. So I just wanted to pay oh respects to that CD <laughs> and to young Seth's childhood crush on one Ashley Simpson. That's actually what you wanted to fucking talk about? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! That fifteen is, years, uh, man. Fifteen years of excellence. That CD still holds up. I still know every word to every song on that. Actually, the other day I was in a car with my roommate and his girlfriend, and I said, "Turn to any song on that CD," and I or any song on that album. I guess it's not a CD when it's on your phone, <laughs> and uh, and I would know the lyrics to it. And by golly, every song that was changed to, I knew it. Wow, that is that is pretty you know cool. Um, it is. Oof! Yeah, that's something. That's uh, <laughs> definitely is a thing. Ashley Simpson was she was she was my everything. She was my heart. <laughs> it's not an Ashley Simpson song. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> uh, you were pretty into her, understandably so. She's I was. She's, she's a cutie to booty. Oh wow! Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> she's a rather strapping young lady. Very very handsome chick. Yeah, you know, that's a handsome. <laughs> handsome is a good. I I like to sometimes I call women handsome. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I think women can be handsome. Okay. You don't think so? <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a proper term. Is that the definition? Can handsome be a man and a woman? I think so. Yeah, handsome. Uh, oh, it's a picture of me. Um. <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. Um, okay, here's what this says. Oh, it does differentiate by gender. A uh, handsome man is described as good looking. Pretty obvious. A uh, handsome woman, it says striking and imposing in good looks rather than conventionally pretty. Okay. So I guess it's a different word than what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. You thought she also looked like a dude. substantial. Well, I, I don't know. Let's. Ashley Simpson's right. got me all twisted up, man. 
So for um, Mambo this week, we are going to do top five songs on Ashley Simpson's 2004 album Autobiography, or you can also do top five episodes of the Ashley, Sim- Ashley Simpson show um, from either seasons one or two. You can pick which Mambo you want to do. Okay. So here's what I want. Here's what I do want to do. I want our listeners to weigh in on whether Ashley Simpson or Jamie Lynn Spears is the better early 90s uh, sensation. And my vote will be cast, of course, for Jamie Lynn Spears. Well, um, it would be neither, actually, because they they weren't famous in the early 90s. Uh, Did I say early 90s? You did. What did I say? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Early 2000s, you get it. The oddies, the naughty oddies. Yeah. And it's clearly Ashley Simpson because she had a show about her life Zoe 101 wasn't about Jamie Lynn Spears' life. That was about a group of friends going to a prep school in California. Ashley Simpson's show was about her life and becoming a smash hit, overnight sensation pop star because of one beautiful song that was written basically by Jesus, and that's Pieces (laughs) of Me. (laughs) It was probably written by some white guy in California. It probably was. Yeah, I think it was. Actually, no. I could probably go back to that episode if you want. I'll, I'll follow up later. I'll go back. I, I do own uh, a in a bootleg copy of Ashley Simpson's show that was recorded uh, on DVD. And I can go back to that episode and find when they wrote it, if you'd like. I cannot believe you own that show. Um, <laughs> I do want our listeners to weigh in on this, on Jamie Lynn Spears versus Ashley Simpson. Uh, both a couple of handsome, handsome women, but... Um, we'll see who people like better. And I'm I'm going with Zoe. I mean, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, you Jamie don't even know her real name. That's because she, she goes so deep into that character, dude. You've never seen an actress perform like this before. But when you're listening to Pieces of Me, you go so deep into your soul that you find just the, the most amount of happiness you've ever found by listening to that song. Uh, if the fucking theme to Zoe 101 doesn't take you there, then I don't know what's wrong with your soul in the first place. <laughs> you ever just stop and think like this is great radio <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna win whatever podcast award there is we're gonna the win a casty. potty i think it's a casty oh a casty it's a it's a casty brought to you by Cap- casper mattress <laughs> Casper, there you go <laughs> i told my casper mattress joke last night i had a show last night and it was uh it was pretty fun. I like telling that joke. And I got us a couple new subscribers. Uh, I I tell I told I played it on the show last week. Joke about how I hate podcast, and then I finally reveal that uh, you know we've got one. And uh, and I tell people to hit me up for the link after the show, and a couple people have. So if you're <laughs> one of those people that listened to the that saw me uh, perform, and you're here listening to this, uh, first of all, I'm amazed you made it past all that Ashley Simpson stuff. <laughs> But welcome um, in. <laughs> and uh, if you don't like what you hear now, we have 101 other episodes of the SoCo Show. There might be one or two in there that you like. You just kind of have to look really hard. They mostly probably feature Jared on them, too. Mm-hmm. So um, go ahead and, and uh, click back to the archives. There you go. A couple hundred hours of us trying to be funny. I think we nailed it for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, yeah. So good luck finding the needle in that haystack. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, a lot of movie stuff to talk about. Let's jump into it. Uh, but before we do, we got to get some chic tweets. I call you a punk.
This tweet actually comes, I think this just happened. Uh, someone asked Iron Sheik uh, who he prefers between Ashley Simpson and uh, Jamie Lynn Spears. <laughs> and he clearly uh, knows the answer you know, in his heart and it's Ashley Simpson. But he told this person, funny you should ask, but everyone can go fuck themselves. <laughs> so that that's the actual tweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's themselves, not themselves. It's just one person. Can, everyone can go fuck one person. Their self. Themselves. You know, there's an interesting gra- grammar conversation around that because I think what he's saying is grammatically correct. Because everyone, or no, I'm thinking of some. No, yeah, everyone can refer to like <laughs> individuals. So you could say. Everyone should go fuck themselves, um, and I think it makes. Gr- you know what? That's let's not get into it. Um, let's not get into the grammar talk. Uh, yeah, th- grammar and two thousand four pop stars here on today's <laughs> episode of the SoCo Show. <laughs> uh, let's get let's get back to what we actually. Uh, well, I don't know if we're good at it, but we do it more. Uh, we got to talk about some movie stuff. This has been Chic Tweets. I call you a punk. Man, I'm just I'm fucking beat, man. <laughs> I I was telling I was telling you before the show I I got so drunk at this fucking comedy show last night and I I am hungover. So enjoy my hungover well, voice. I think I'm, I'm maybe maybe a little bit lower than than I typically am. I don't know, uh, ladies. <laughs> I told a joke about um, told a joke about my voice. Uh, and I tell it all the time. You've heard it. Um, I, I talk about my voice and how it resembles that of a 19-year-old white lesbian. And uh, someone, a couple guys came up to me after the show and were like, oh, my God, that joke about your voice is so funny because that's exactly how it sounds. And I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I wrote that as a joke, man. You're not supposed to tell me that's true. That's, I mean, I guess it's it's good that the joke makes sense, but, like, ouch. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. If people didn't know, his name is spelled C O D I. Yep, yep. That's uh, that's how we, that's how we, we lesbians, <laughs> that's how we spell Cody, is with an I. So. Well, women do. I don't know if it's specifically lesbians, but. Yeah, dude. You ever met a Cody who's not gay? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. Uh, let let's let's shout out our sponsors here. Um, we got, first of all, audibletrial.com. If you remember who they are. <laughs> I can remember them. Audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box for 30 days and your first book for free. <sighs> we have Mathis Designs. Hit it up on Etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationary and graphic design needs. <sighs> and, of course, Mike's Wood. Etsy.com slash shop slash cornfed and wed to get your wood worked. Uh... Oh, there you go. The nice polite little. <coughs> oh God! <laughs> there was more. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh my God. Um, we're gonna get into a couple pieces of movie news in just a second, but before we do that, we got to get into this week's edition of Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. All right, Seth has found a quote from a film. I need to figure out what movie it's in and who said it. What do you got for us this week? I almost think I've done this one before. <laughs> <laughs> so when you hear it, you might know. 
Um, I'll look up another one real quick if I need to. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that when I get out of prison, can I hang out with your 10-year-old son? <laughs> um, I don't think you've done this quote. Um, okay. And I know this movie. Fuck. Oh, I, fuck. I, this is one because I can't even guess because I know it. I just have to dig it out of my fucking head. Ew. Um, let's see. Last week we had Wreck-It Ralph. Who's in Wreck-It Ralph? <laughs> um, I need a hint, man. I can't pull it. Uh, hint. Came out in 2008. God damn it. Um, last, so last week was Wreck-It Ralph. You're right on that. Uh-huh. The character was, what was it? It was like Sergeant something. Do you remember who voiced it? Yeah, it was Jane. Oh, it's role models. Ah, yes. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so it's role models and it's, uh, it's, it's, um, Sean William Scott's character. Right? Remember his he's, name? T- he's talking. Uh, no, I don't. I don't remember his name. I just remember he's got the. He wears the bull. It's um, Wheeler. Oh yeah, fucking Wheeler. And he's talking to about that little black kid. He's talking to his mom. <laughs> yeah, I remember <laughs> that now. Oh, that hit me like mm-hmm. a bolt of lightning as soon as I thought about Jane Lynch <laughs> for whatever reason. It's like when you're out in the hot summer day and you just realize that you ate a whole bunch of burritos and you have to, you have to go get go get rid of that. That's the bolt of lightning. Did that happen to you? That's really specific. <laughs> What? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's a uh, role model is pretty good movie actually. I I uh, I rewatched that not too long ago, and um, had a really fun time with it. Not all of it ages very well, but there's some pretty funny stuff. When they're talking about boobies, I like that part. <laughs> <laughs> and I like boobies. <laughs> nice. Yes, we do. Um, role models is the subject of this week's edition of making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Alright. That's one of those... That's one of those rare movies that was really funny and then went away completely and is, like, <laughs> fun to go back to. Like, a lot of the Apatow movies are like that for me. Like, they were huge uh-huh. and then they went away and now every time I go back and watch 40-year-old version, I laugh my dick off. It's so funny. <laughs> Sorry for your dick. Yeah, it, uh, he's getting pretty frustrated because he keeps getting removed and put back on every time I watch 40-Year-Old Virgin. <laughs> he's like, quit up. <laughs> he's like, what? He's like, quit up. <laughs> That's how my dick sounds. Hi, man. <laughs> no, my dick actually sounds like a very large black man. Mm. I can't even do an impression of it. That's how large the, <laughs> the voice, uh, the the man who my dick sounds like is that big. I'm not saying my dick and is. I can't- and I can't do an impression of it because that would be racially insensitive. There you go. Racial sensitivity <laughs> is our, that's definitely our bread and butter here on the SoCo show. <laughs> we strive. Because we're just so, you know, we're so, um, we're so woke all the mm-hmm. time, you know, that uh, we handle, we handle race uh, very delicately here. And actually to that effect, <laughs> we got some racially charged movie news to talk about. So let's jump straight into that. <laughs> Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. Uh, I want to start with this, actually. Um, we had a trailer drop uh, just today as of recording. We're recording on Sunday the 7th uh, for the Mulan movie, uh, which uh, the the live-action remake, of course, can be coming out next spring. And um, this is one that... Uh, 
you know, in this barrage of live action reboots or whatever of these Disney movies, I have been really looking forward to this because I think this is a story that really, um, is a tale as old as time. Yeah. It's a song as old (laughs) as rhyme is what I'm saying. And, uh, uh, I think it lends itself well to a live action remake and you can kind of adjust the, the, um, the uh, adjust the tone a little bit, which it really seems like they've done in this trailer. And we'll link to it in the description box if you want to watch it yourself. But it seems like it's going to take itself more seriously. Uh, there wasn't any hint of the talking dragon yet or, or really much. They didn't show any like musical numbers. So I don't know if they'll go that route or not. But as like a serious badass uh, woman warrior, this looks pretty fucking dope. Uh, and I don't know what your relationship is with the original Mulan, but where are you at for the for the reboot? I had an on-again and off-again relationship with the original Mulan. (laughs) It'd be in my VCR, and then it'd be out of the VCR, and then it'd be in the VCR. It was was rough. (laughs) Um, No, I didn't really watch the... I I saw the first Mulan, like, maybe once or twice as a kid, but it wasn't one that I went back to. Um, But, I mean, I liked it, I guess. I mean, it wasn't, again, not a a frequent viewing in my household, and uh, I was an only child, so I got to make all the choices. (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I didn't really choose Mulan much, but sure, it looks the trailer looked fun. Uh, I'll I'll check it out. Not fun, but good. Yeah. Um, nothing about that looks fun. <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty uh, hardcore. Do we, do, do we know who the the dragon is? No, I don't even know if. Um, here, I'm gonna do a quick search. I don't know if they've cast one or even if they're gonna be in there. Uh, let's see, Mulan 2019. Oh yes, Macho Mion. I'm the dragon. I would absolutely watch that movie. Um, ooh, Jet Li's in it. Fucking sweet. Uh, Donnie Yen. Ken Watanabe. I don't see a dragon credited. What's its name? Mulan Dragon. I think it's like Mushu. Not gonna say anything. It is Mushu. Ha ha. Um, right. I'm glad you're right. <laughs> yeah, that was a risk. Um, yeah, there's no Mushu credited on here, so. It could be that it just doesn't talk or that it's not here at all. But it, at least the IMDb doesn't have a Mushu cast. So that's an interesting choice. Um, but I think it's cool if they want it to have a more serious tone. I think that's kind of a necessary step. And I hope they do. I hope it goes total drama and is badass. I think they um, I think they have a chance to make a really dope, um, you know, like female empowerment movie here. Because that's what, you know, that's what Mulan is, is a story of like, you know, she doesn't want to be a bride or whatever. She wants to go kick some ass. And uh, I think they have a real opportunity here at something awesome. So I, I'm hopeful. And, and what I saw in the trailer was um, I was really happy with. So I'm actually, this is climbing my high, high up on my list for, for 2020 for me. The other, the other bit of Disney news this week, we were talking <clears throat> on a recent episode about The Little Mermaid and the reboot that is upcoming. And um, uh, your favorite actress, Melissa McCarthy, uh, was in talks to play Ursula. I don't think anything official has been announced, but that's kind of still going on. Um, but we did find out who the new uh, Ariel is, the main character, uh, the titular Little Mermaid. Um, and it was an interesting uh, casting choice here because we have uh, Hallie Bailey is the name of this young lady that they've cast. Uh, and she is a, she's a black girl, which um, the internet took really well. And uh, was very happy about. And so that's it for that news. Um, No, I'm just kidding. The (laughs) internet fucking got freaked out. Uh, A lot of people pissed off. Hashtag not my aerial 
is a big thing. Um, and uh, there's like, I don't know, man, like people's uh, people get really nasty about Disney, uh, you know, because that's like, it's my childhood. And then they think you're ruining their childhood by making the character black. Um, and so it's a big, it's a big thing. And, and a lot of people have been like, um, have been arguing that this is a, that this is fucked up, that it's, it's, it's blackwashing for a better, for lack of a better way to put it, that it's, uh, it's ridiculous to, uh, recast uh, a character who we've seen before as white, as a black person with the logic that, you know, if we made a movie about fucking Harriet Tubman and she was white, which is an asinine argument to make in my opinion, but um, then how would we react? And so there's a lot of white folks pissed off because they think Ariel's getting taken from them. And uh, that's obviously very stupid, but I'm curious for you, <laughs> like um, the, in a movie like this or, or in general with other characters, because we've heard similar things about like James Bond possibly going to Idris Elba and, and other, uh, other different things like that. Does the, does the race of a character, are you... Do you find yourself married to that? Like, if 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 Rocky uh, was rebooted with a you know a Mexican actor or something like that, do, do you find yourself tied to the race and the appearance of characters? Is it important to you that they look the way they did uh, in prior iterations? I uh, I would definitely be starting a hashtag uh, <laughs> if if Rocky was was white, just like I did for or if Rocky was was uh, Mexican, just like I did for. For Ariel, I started the hashtag this week. Hashtag not my areola, and uh, I, I, I only want I want the pink areolas. Not the... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> to answer your question, that is all all very stupid. Um, other than my hashtag, I think we could get we could get something going with that. But uh, <laughs> the 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 race. The race stuff, I think, is all just really stupid. For 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 someone, I mean, for for me, for casting is is it are they going to be good in the part? Are they going to do a good job, regardless of of race, gender, color, you know, ethnicity, religion? I don't care. I mean, I Scientologists Scientologists are really good actors. Do I think they're stupid? Of course, <laughs> but they're really good actors. <laughs> so. Um, you know, it's 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 all just about who's the best for the part for me. Like I, people are people. I'm not surprised by this hashtag at all. It's unfortunately I'm not. It's just people are stupid and and want to. They have they have these outlets and out and mouthpieces for small groups of people to to listen to them cry about things and eventually sometimes those those things that they cry about catch a lot of attention and you know enough people grew up with. But even the same thing though is like I looked at this. Little Mermaid came out in like '89, I think. Mm-hmm. So like, sure they grew up with it, but like ten years later, you know, like or not ten years, but probably like five, six years later is by the time they were able to recognize what it was. So it's not like they're it's not even your fucking generation for most people who are tweeting about it. You know, it's yeah. like sure you watch those movies as your kid, but it's not something you actually like. You know, if 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 the the Lion King like let's say they they made the tigers into I don't know like ostriches so this is stories about ostriches instead and they're like not my, hashtag not my lion king that group of people could could that that would make sense because they grew up with it they were born you know when when that, that movie came out and all that stuff but mm. you know and maybe not even that again a lot of these people are complaining are probably even even younger than that but at least for our generation who's complaining about it the lion king would make more sense yeah. <laughs> but i don't know it's it's all really stupid it's just people complaining and 
because it's not well, who they see on the screen uh, is is not themselves this time. They're upset about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's it, I think that's got a lot to do with it. Um, it is, and I think something that I am learning to try to do less of, specifically around Aladdin, which we've talked about at length on this show, is to let the people make their movie. They've got a plan, and let's wait until we see it before we start freaking out, because this um they this if the setting of this is in the caribbean it makes total sense that they're black and there may even be a black prince which i don't think there's ever been in disney so that would be pretty fucking cool and it's it what matters the thing the thing to me and like you're saying is the actor or actress going to be good in the part and then is the ethnicity important to that character and in ariel's case it's fucking not she's a mermaid it doesn't matter if she's white or black she's fucking half a fish and Mm -hmm. so it if it was and so the argument is like okay what if we replaced harriet tubman with a white actress harriet tubman's blackness blackness is very important (laughs) to her story right so you can't just fucking do that and i think that's the problem is that a lot of these white characters like james bond it's never important to his character that he's white but most of the movies that center around someone of a different ethnicity that ethnicity is very important to them and so i think that's a big difference when you talk about changing from one race to another is how actually is it going to affect the story that you heard before? In this case, it's not. Um, and, uh, is the ethnicity important to the new movie? And then also just fucking just watch it and see. And if you don't want to go to a movie about a black mermaid, fucking fine. But (laughs) I'm, I'm willing to bet that all the people complaining are still going to go. Wasn't there a black mermaid in splash? I don't know what splash is. It's, uh, it's Ron Howard mermaid movie. (laughs) He made it. Really? In the 80s, I think. Yeah. Oh god, I don't know. <laughs> um also to like to on, on your point, I guess like from what I was saying before is I don't care, you know, about it. I do care if like if it's a bio a biopic would make sense. Like yeah, if, totally. like you said, like Harry Tubman or like if uh, if John Cena was was cast as like an Asian man in his <laughs> biopic that eventually come out, that that would be a different story. Yeah, but, a uh, or Ashley, right. Ashley Simpson. She, you know, she has to be this this beautiful, silky smooth skin, uh, <laughs> blonde or black hair, whatever you choose. You can you can choose which one. Black she has hair. to be this perfect angel from two thousand four. Um, just a just a thought here. Um, if you're gonna start, if you're gonna compliment woman, I wouldn't start with skin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just sets a really weird tone for the rest of the stuff you're about what, to say. What, what, what about what about her her teeth and her lips? <laughs> oh God! Don't ever say lips again. That was gross. Lips. <laughs> I hate it so much. Lips. Oh no! I didn't like that at all. Get that away. Um, um, so yeah, Splash. Splash came out in 1984. Directed by Ron Howard. Stars Tom Hanks, Daryl Hannah, Eugene Levy, John Candy. That's an incredible cast. How did I miss this movie? Oh, I wasn't born. Yeah, I was trying to see if there's anyone else I could read on this cast, but uh, I, I really, I, 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 I kind of ramped up at John Candy and didn't have anyone else to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Splash. Check it out. We'll make that this week our retro recommend. Ah, uh, fine. I've never... <laughs> I just wanted the chance to do that. I've never seen Splash. I don't know if it's good or not. (laughs) (laughs) It made $69 million at the box office. $69. $69. (laughs) 
<laughs> there we go. That is a dope ass cat. Now I'm now I'm reading the Wikipedia for a fucking. We got we're 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 our our ability to stay on task today is is not not going so hot. Um, let's uh yeah I think in general uh if you are complaining about the Little Mermaid you're fucking stupid and uh, mm-hmm. quit it <laughs> like nobody wants to hear your stupid ass <laughs> opinion. Um, and I feel comfortable saying that because I think uh, I think our listeners aren't morons so. That's true. I probably well, pretty mellow about that. I know a few morons who listen to the show. <laughs> <laughs> At Jared Buckendall. Sorry, I hit that button. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, w- what I am curious is to hear from our listeners, you know, hit us up on, on Facebook or Twitter. Um, what uh, what you think of the casting of The Little Mermaid? Are you excited to s- see them maybe shift up the plot of this a little bit? Um, and for, for Mulan a little... Uh, a little along the same vein, you know, uh, what's your level of excitement for Mulan? What did you think of the trailer? Again, we're going to link to that in the description box. You can check it out for yourself. Uh, but let us know what you thought. Seth is on the tweets at SoCo show pod. And I'm on the Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash SoCo show pod. The last thing is I actually thought when I first read it, that Holly Berry was cast as, as, uh, as Ariel <laughs> the way, cause I, I had no idea who this girl was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. like Holly Berry is Ariel. I mean, she's a little old for the part, but you know what? I'd be down. That would be fucking <laughs> That would be incredible. <laughs> I would watch that. I would watch that for sure. But she'd have to have a couple of underwater dogs go bite some nuts, though, for me to be super <laughs> into it. <laughs> In John Wick Four, there's going to be little dogs with little scuba suits on biting nuts. <laughs> it's going to be fucking awesome. Maybe Halle Berry will star in a remake of this film, Splash. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, that's going to do it for movie news. Let's move forward, and uh, we're going to get into. Uh, a mambo number five that uh, that has me all sorts of excited. So let's jump into it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is mambo number five. We're gonna rank the Spider-Man movies. All right. So number five for Ashley Simpson's autobiography <laughs> is actually the the self-titled song from the autobiography. Autobiography. It was also the theme song for the Ashley Simpson show. All right. Number five, Cody. What do you got? Number five. Uh, <laughs> I actually had pieces of me at number five, and I think you're probably gonna, you're gonna kick that can down the road probably. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's actually the only song that I know. Lala, is that hers? Lala, you know a couple Make others. Wanna, Lala. That's, you know at I least actually one really more. like that one. You know at least one more. I know at least one more. Um, you know at least one more. Autobiography. And it, was, it was on the radio. It was one of the three songs on the radio. Pieces of Me, Lala, and it was a song about her sister. Uh, I don't know. Living in the shadow. Oh, yeah. Living in the shadow. She had three songs from that CD on the radio in 2004. Are you kidding me? She was a hit fucking artist. Move over, I don't know, the Beatles. Ashley Simpson's here. (laughs) She wasn't a one-hit wonder. Okay. Um, That's enough Ashley Simpson. Okay, damn it. (laughs) This is the Ashcast. (laughs) Ashcast. (laughs) (laughs) Our actual Mambo number five. We're going to count down Spidey. Uh, we both saw Spider-Man Far From Home this past weekend. We're going to get into a review of it later on, and we will have a spoiler section. Um, but don't worry, we will warn you ahead of time uh, when we are going into spoilers. But uh, for now, we're going to count down all of the Spider-Man movies. Uh, all the, all the, uh, all of the, uh, all of these have actually been released during our <laughs> lifetime, which is crazy. In the last, you know, twenty years. Uh, this this Spidey fan has been very happy in the, in the fact that there's enough... There's like seven Spider-Man movies from which to choose. We're going to count down our top five. 
and uh, I'm excited to do this. Probably be a lot of can kicking. We're going to have some of the same movies on our list, maybe in a different order, uh, which will be fun. So let's, uh, let's jump into it. Number five. My number five is the danciest Spider-Man of them all, Spider-Man 3. No. Um, my number five is the first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man. That's cool. I have also that same movie at number five. What if we have the same exact list? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if we do, because I'm, I'm almost certain we have at least one other film in common on the list. But um, yeah, I I love ASM, man. A lot of people shit on it. Um, those two movies. Well, but, uh, number two was, was, was number two like was a big old turd. Too. This whole movie, this whole this list is going to be me defending this, the ones that didn't make the list. <laughs> I liked both of them. But uh, the first one was, I think, a, a really worthy kind of reboot what i don't know i guess you got it at number five so you like it but not as much as some of the others yeah it was fine um it wasn't really i think i guess looking at the list i've really only really liked four of them a lot i guess the the first spider-man was okay but i like this one a little bit more for an introduction i like his i like his spider-man the best up to that point Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was very quippy and fun. He he brought some fun back to to Spider Man because I thought the Raimi Spider Man movies were not really all that fun. They were seemed to be more melodramatic in a lot of places, and this one brought some more fun back to it with the, the Spider Man quips and all that stuff. So quips and twips. That's what we like about Spidey. Um, the thing that I thought really that that sets uh, ASM apart is uh, Gwen Stacy. And their relationship between Garfield and Emma Stone in that uh, movie is really great, and it's what really drives that. Uh, I had to think kind of hard. It took me a couple seconds to remember who the villain was in that movie um, because it's not as villain-centric as these other ones are. Um, But uh, the Emma Stone relationship, I mean, she's she's breaking my heart in this movie. Um, And uh, the two of them together was really fun. You're right with the quips. I loved the update to, like, the tech. The look of this Uh one was really cool, the new suit and everything. Um, and, uh, it was a bummer that, you know, it, it's worked out with the new Spider-Man movies, but it was a bummer that they didn't get to do more of this. Cause I really dug this universe and it being more, a little more sciencey and shiny, you know, than, than what we saw with the Tobey Maguire movies. And, uh, and I dug it a lot. Um, and, um, Sally Field as, uh, as Aunt May, I thought was really cool. A lot of great Aunt Mays out there um yeah amazing spider-man was dope i i remember really loving it the, it had some of the first i saw it in 3d and it had some of the first lie uh, oh yeah f- first person swinging and i was in heaven i could have died right there that was fun i remember that from the trailer too because that was coming around the trailers came out around the same time um like i think avengers came out and stuff so they were playing that before um and then, yeah so i definitely saw amazing spider-man in 3d and i was like okay this is pretty cool and they're doing that oh yeah it's fucking awesome number four uh, number four is the only Raimi movie I have on here, Spider-Man 2. Okay, yeah. That is uh, actually, you're going to be surprised by this, did not make my list. Whoa. Um, yeah, and widely, oh. regarded as, widely regarded as the best of the <clears throat> Spider-Man movies by a lot of folks. And I love it a lot, don't get me wrong. It's just not in my top five for various reasons. But let's talk about, go ahead and talk about Spider-Man 2. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen this one too. But I, the, I think the thing that I enjoy the most is the relationship with Doc Ock and Peter. I thought, that, I thought Doc Ock is probably been uh my favorite villain out of all the all out of all the spider-man movies that have come out actually probably other than my number one he was he's definitely my favorite favorite uh villain up to that when that movie came out (laughs) i'm not gonna say anything but um 
I, I their relationship was great and, and the motivations actually made sense and, and their you know, the, the ending is something that I'll always remember in, in a movie with, with the whole uh, re, is it like a reactor or whatever that he's he's going to the bottom of the ocean with that's gonna go off. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like that movie a lot. It's pretty fucking awesome, man. And like it's got that classic shot of the when he first when the arms are first starting to kill people and uh, Raimi does that like almost it's like he plays it a lot like a horror scene uh, with the them the arms are killing a bunch of people and that's like such an iconic scene they you get the fight with the clock that Aunt May is involved in and um, and he's questioning in that one you know whether or not he wants to be Spidey that it really is super fucking awesome um, I just I have emotional connections to the other ones uh, that kept it out of my top five but uh, I do love that one so I'm glad you included it my number four is uh, probably a can kick. Uh, this is where I have homecoming. Yep, that's a can kick. Okay, we'll, we'll kick it. We'll kick it on down and go on. Number three. My number three is the most recent entry into the Spider-Man film. Spider-Man <laughs> got some dome. No, far from home. <laughs> that's we're the same again. This is a my number three as well. Um, nice. We'll, uh, we'll keep it high level here because we are going to get into a review. Um, but this, man, this is classic Spidey. I, I thought this yeah. was an awesome return to just like, what is Spider-Man about? And this, I think, was nailing all of it. Reminded me a lot of the, the 90s, 90s show. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Just the overall everything involved. Reminded me a ton of the 90s TV show, the cartoon. Yep. I was talking to my brother about it, and that's what we said was, I feel like I just watched three or four episodes of the animated series back-to-back, which is a huge compliment. <laughs> Yeah, um, and it was very, very well done. We'll talk more in depth uh, about Far From Home in a second, but uh, we've, we've again, we we, we got it the same uh, at number three. Number two, so Spider-Man: Homecoming, my number two. I like this one a lot because it did the origin thing without doing the origin thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they kind of skipped over that. The I like that this felt like kind of more of a centralized story and everything that was going on in the entire MCU leading up to that point. This felt like a just kind of a centralized story about Spider-Man being Spider-Man in, in, in the neighborhood in New York. Um, something I kind of felt Far From Home was missing, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But then you also have, and it means even more now, post-Endgame, the relationship with, they built the relationship with, with Tony and Peter. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that relationship is probably now with everything kind of hindsight probably my favorite relationship in all of the mcu they're they especially after far from home like this the the, the that whole thing is just such a really cool thing that they, that they built and uh has a lot of emotional impact with it and everything too so yeah um, homecoming had all that plus cool gadgets and all the sciencey stuff and i you know i think tom holland is all around the most perfect peter parker slash spider-man there is he has both quips and he's got the he's got the peter parker essence when he's being peter parker and you know it's great i love it it really is man and this was i was nervous about homecoming uh when it was going to come out because i thought they'd mcu it up too much but this was it really stayed in its spider-man lane which was cool michael keaton is an incredible villain Yep. In in Homecoming, and uh, his turn here is very very cool. I actually was not super on board with the Iron Man angle for a long time. Uh, I have since come around on it, but at the time when I first saw Homecoming, uh, I really didn't like it because I thought it took away from Spidey and took the attention off of him somewhat. But 
uh, I have since come since come around on that. But yeah, homecoming is so dope. You you really get back into the high school element, and he's like having to cut class and stuff, and and the dance is coming up, and you really haven't gotten much high school uh, in the in any of these uh, Spider-Man movies. But this one really dove into it, and I thought it it was to the movie's benefit. Um, but you're right. The 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 way they chose not to do the Uncle Ben scene, uh, but instead. He is learning his new Stark equipment and, um, you know, learning exactly how he should fight the bad guys. So it is an origin of a hero, but not quite the one you're used to. So I, I thought they handled everything remarkably well with, and this was obviously his return to uh, the MCU or his, you know, his first uh, solo run here. And I thought they crushed it. Uh, I love Homecoming a lot. I've, it's one that I return to as often as any of these. I have the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 1 at number two. And uh, a lot of this is emotional attachment. Um, Spider-Man was one of the first movies that I, um, that made me go like, I fucking love movies. You know, like the way they put everything together, you have, it was one of the first big like superhero, uh, you know, CGI movies. Um, But uh, I think it leaned more on Peter than uh, on Spider-Man, which is always the best way to do Spider-Man. Um, Willem Dafoe is, it would be hard to convince me he's not the best villain that's been in a Spider-Man movie. Um, he is really, really great in this. Uh, James Franco is doing his thing in here. Kirsten Dunst. You have the kiss, the iconic shot. Um, you have the uh, end battle with, with Green Goblin. That's amazing. Um, and then they took, they took some chances in this movie. They made the webs, uh, organic, uh, you know, they they um, changed up his character just a little bit to put kind of their own stamp on it. And I think most of that stuff worked. I didn't love the uh, organic webs, but you got Bonesaw in there, which is fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> Ooh, there's, yeah. there's just like every every moment of this movie is like iconic now. And uh, and I love it. And it holds up pretty well. I, I watched it not too long ago. Uh, there's some CG elements that are a little rubber man-y now, but... Um, this was the one that started it all for a reason. Like it's, it's so, so, so dope. And, uh, you don't get, you don't, you definitely don't get Spider-Man two the way you did without, uh, Spidey one having laid the groundwork. And as a fan of origin movies, which I know you're not, um, I thought, uh, this one is, is maybe one of my favorite origin movies ever because you get to see him go from, you know, dweeb to, uh, dweeb who doesn't wear glasses anymore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and MJ is so charming in this. Um, that uh, it was really fun to see the two of them uh, kind of doing their thing. So I love Spidey One Man. That's that's again most mostly it's emotional attachment, but uh, it does actually hold up pretty well. You forgot the most important thing about that movie. <laughs> what is it? That that Chad Kroger, the lead singer of Nickelback, sang oh my God. the song in the trailer slash end of movie. They say that a hero can save us. I used to love that fucking song just because it reminded me of Spider-Man. You still love that song. I might. I haven't listened to it in a long time. but. Uh, oh, it's great. It was. I have watched that trailer recently, though, because I, I like going back and watching old trailers, and that one is it's pretty funny. It's kind of like when Batman Begins used Nickelback. Uh, it's just like really <laughs> funny. It's like a disjoint in my brain. Like, why is there Nickelback in Spider-Man? Because <laughs> Nickelback is their second and the best... Uh, <laughs> the best pop stars from the 2000s <laughs> oh god here we fucking go all right back to ash cast and number one no 
number one. I think we both know what the number one is. Yep, we do. Spider-Man 3. Yep, you're goddamn Uh, right. Now dig on this. (laughs) Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which they make a reference to Spider-Man 3 in it. And a hilarious one. I was rolling when they did that. (laughs) No, Spider-Verse is fucking awesome. I've been, like, forcing myself not to watch it because I want to, like, have time in between watching it again (laughs) after seeing it in the theater. Like, I want to watch it again and, like, be like oh man i fucking love this and have that that anticipation built because it's so great i uh i was watching this today and uh it's so so good man like they're crushing the origin story they're doing all this crazy universe stuff that as the look of this movie is incredibly cool um you've got the uh the villains in this are good enough um because but it's mostly about miles and and him kind of coming up uh the fact that they used miles in the first place was so cool um all the uh all the other spider characters are awesome doing their things uh spider gwen is so fucking cool and um you know because it's a a different universe uh you've got like octavius is, is, is a female now and uh green goblin is a different type of green goblin and and all this other stuff is going on and it's an interesting kind of twist on all the stuff that they've set up in Spider-Man. The self-references, though, to the other films is really awesome. Um, and the uh, the Stan Lee part of this movie, uh, I have now seen Into the Spider-Verse three times, and it has made me cry every single time. Um, <laughs> I didn't think it would get me at home, but it totally did. Um, this movie has so much heart in it uh, for a cartoon that uh, it's pretty fucking incredible. Like, it's... It is, and it's for Spidey fans, I think is the, the reason why I love it so much, because it's it's very rewarding to already be a fan of Spider-Man. Um, they give you chances to get stuff that other folks don't get, uh, while still making it accessible for people who aren't as big a geeks. So, uh, it's just fucking, I honestly, I think it's as close to perfect movie as I've seen in a long, long time. It, it doesn't really ever quit, um... Everything is, is heartfelt. The action is great. The look is great. The voice acting is really good. The editing is really cool. Like it's there's I can't find a flaw in it. I don't know if you can. No, and actually, I'll, I kind of disagree with you a little bit on the on the villain thing. I actually think the villain Wilson Fisk slash Kingpin. I think he's an awesome villain. I think that he has I think he has a ton of motivation that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just you know wants to be back with his family and he's found a way to do it and he'll risk anything to do it. I mean there's there's a lot to be said there. Uh, I think th- there there are definitely a few scenes throughout that really give the emotional uh, emotional I guess emotional connection or um, basically it, 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 that show that this should be a reason that he's doing this and that kind of almost make you feel like you should feel for him and not you know, not hate him for killing Spider-Man and all that yeah. stuff, you know, like, like there, I, I think he, I think he does a really good job and he's a very, I mean, he's a villain that should be feared. He, you know, he kills the original Spider-Man and, and, uh, is causing a shitload of havoc for everyone. So he's, he's got, he's got really, he's like, you know, in a, in a way kind of a little bit of a Thanos in that, you know, he's super powerful and is really hard to beat, but he has a reason for why he's doing his things and he's not, he's not just doing it to see the world burn, you know? Mm-hmm. So he, he's, I think he's got a ton of depth and I, I, he's, he's, like I said, I think he's my favorite that has been favorite, favorite villain that's been in Spider-Man. That is uh you do make a good point. I do. I do like the angle with him and his kids. Um, and I love and how wife. he looks in this. 
Mm-hmm. He like they, he's so fucking big. He's like never yep. you never once see him all entirely in one frame, which is such a cool like choice uh, that you obviously could never do on on live action. But they they took advantage of the animation in so many really great ways in this movie, and it's mm-hmm. uh, I love it. I just love it so much. I, um, Are you done blowing this movie or what? Jesus, I'm not done blowing this movie. I was actually just talking God. to a friend of mine yesterday about. Uh, dressing up for Halloween as Miles and Spider-Gwen, uh, which <laughs> sounds fucking awesome. And I was talking, I have a Spider-Man suit, but it's the one from, uh, it's the one from Homecoming. Uh, toddler. <laughs> I have the one from Homecoming, and I was like, oh, man, I can't be Miles because it's that suit. And one of the guys that was nearby was like, just spray paint it. That's what Miles did. And I was like, oh, fuck. I'm not going to do that. But uh, it was still really cool to think about. So, yeah, Miles is the shit. I was so glad that they that they finally got him on screen and there's apparently going to be about a thousand sequels and TV shows and spinoffs of that. Cause Sony's got to get their cash. Uh, and I'm here for all of it, dude. I love spider Cash money. Cash money. <laughs> <laughs> so that is our list. Uh, honorable mention, of course, to Spider-Man three, which is fucking no. great. Yes. Yes. That no. movie is dope. Give no. some, put some respect on that movie's name. No. And, there's uh, really not a, there's not another honorable mention. The rest of those movies are butt. <laughs> well, the only other one is uh, is Amazing Spider-Man Two, which but. Uh, is yeah. It's not. I mean, I love all these movies so much that to to diss any of them is um, is uh, doesn't feel right because I love it. I get why others might not though. I'll leave it at that. I know you don't like Jamie. Spider-Man Fox. Three is butt. You shut your mouth. Spider-Man 3. They are, but... You stink. You're wrong about Spider-Man. They're all fantastic movies. No. Uh, But that is our ranking of the top five. Do you agree with us about Spider-Man being number one, or do you have another favorite uh, that we should be putting more respect on? Uh, Wait. Let let us know on the tweets or on Facebook. You you agree with Spider-Man being number one. They were all (laughs) Spider-Man. I mean (laughs) Spider-Verse. Is your favorite Spider-Man movie Spider-Man? Well, let's find out. <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Uh, I fucking love Spider-Man, and we're going to talk about it even more in a second. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of Mambo Number 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number 5. All right. Well, Seth and I, we have been making our way through uh, our lists of... Uh, required watches that we've handed to each other and seth uh, has had his chance this week to check off another one from the list i gave him let's get into this week's missed the boat oh i'm on a boat and you're gonna need a bigger boat so previously seth you watched inside out uh, and enjoyed that one quite a bit so uh what do you got this week hopefully you were you were happy with what you what you checked off the list I did. Uh, I I I checked. I checked off <laughs> watching this movie. No, um, <laughs> I just got in a weird tangent in my head. Sorry. <laughs> it sounded like it. That was, it was fun. <laughs> I hope that was fun for you. It was. It was weird. No. So I watched. Uh, I went to a horror movie this week in the theater. I saw Midsummer. Uh, horror movie is is a relative term there, but we'll we'll talk about that. But I was in a mood for a horror movie, so I decided to watch How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> so <laughs> no, I did I did watch a horror movie. I watched uh, because it was free on Netflix, and that's uh, Scream, yep. which is currently on Netflix. So I did watch Scream. I uh, th- this so I 
for one, I couldn't believe how how scary movie nailed Scream. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> like how how close it was. It's I was like, movie. I'm watching. Right, I couldn't fucking believe it because like all the other scary movies take liberties with everything and like will throw in other movies, but like. Uh, I think Scary Movie is shorter than Scream, so they fit the entire movie of Scream into Scary Movie. Yep. I'm like, this is fucking incredible. I'm I'm watching Scary Movie. Like, this is where that joke would be, and this would, you know. So you know what's um, cool about so, that? Um, the working title for Scream was Scary, scary movie. movie, which is awesome. So yeah, and that's what I was that's what I was about to say is like, so there is a ton of like Easter eggs in Scream. So I was looking at the trivia stuff uh, through my phone, watching it. So I, like I knew the Scary Movie thing. Um, they make references to Wes Craven, who directed the movie. Like they say, Wes Wes uh, Wes Carpenter. Like, is this a Wes Carpenter directed movie? There was a fucking Friday the Thirteenth reference with the guy, the Freddy guy, who's the janitor wearing like the green and red stripes. Yep. Like that's, that's Wes Craven. So... Yeah. Well, he's in the movie a couple times. Oh yeah, I didn't I know. I didn't know he was other ones, but I always knew <clears throat> he was that guy. I noticed him uh, coming out of uh, like a uh, of a like a jeep or something at one point mm. it's just like a quick shot um but there's just a ton of easter eggs and that that's really what i loved about the movie was like searching for the easter eggs and listening to it like because i knew ha- having seen scary movie and know how close they followed it like as they were as it's coming along and like i know what's gonna happen this isn't gonna you know blow my mind um but like all of the little easter eggs and all that stuff i was having fun watching that like seeing all the stuff they included in there i mean it's uh <laughs> the the they definitely were hamming it up in this movie. There's a yep. lot of over the top performances. I like the cast though, like Matthew Lillard and Jamie Kennedy, and uh, and fucking they got Henry Winkler in there as the principal and all that stuff. So that was pretty fun, uh, you know, with with all the dumb out, out there performances and and all that. Um, no one's really a great actor in this by any means, but <laughs> um, it's it's at least fun and. You know, I can see why it was such a phenomenon. It's now I it really just made me want to go back and watch Scary Movie again, <laughs> just to just to really now because now I understand all the references and all that stuff and and know exactly what you know they were parodying. But it's it's a fun movie and and I can see why people back in the day would have been really kind of blown away by it because it did it did take like the horror movie tropes and kind of turn it on its head and, and really keep you guessing throughout, but also kind of satired it in a way. And I even read like a trivia thing that mentioned that they were really having trouble getting this rated R like the MPA wanted to rate it NC 17 because of the gore and stuff mm-hmm. and how, uh, Bob Weinstein who, uh, with we Miramax who bought the movie and everything like that. He said he, he, he pleaded with the area, uh, appealed it with the MPA and, and said, uh, view this as a comedy and not a horror movie. Mm. And w- when they did that, went back and watched it, they're like, okay, you know, we'll give you the R. So, really interesting process for this movie and everything like that. But yeah, uh, it, it was a, it was an enjoyable time, and I can definitely see the the appeal of it uh, back in 1996. Yeah, it's um, it's one of the first to it, one of the first earliest movies I can remember, other than like some Mel Brooks stuff. That's like very self referential. And seems mm-hmm. very self-aware. Like it's it is it is almost a parody in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. And it's funny. Like I watch it as a kid, and it scared the shit out of me. But mm-hmm. uh, at, when I watch it as an adult, you're right. You you watch it as a comedy, and it's really enjoyable in that way. I gotta say too. Uh, so Courtney Cox has the the Gail Winters. Is mm-hmm. that her name? Yep. Um, sh- the person who parried parried her parried 
parodied, parodied her and Scary Movie. It's fucking perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, she she captured every ounce of like just crazy bitchiness that that uh, Courtney Cox is going for, and then her and the cam- the relationship with her and the cameraman is like, like I thought that was I thought that was a joke. So in Scary Movie, she's like really mean she calls him a fat ass and all this shit and it's yeah. like all that and then she does it in scary movie i'm like holy shit <laughs> this is the same thing yep <laughs> i i was just really happy that um that uh oh god what's her name um the main chick who plays sydney what's nev her campbell name? nev campbell i i was i was just really glad she didn't get cummed to the ceiling jesus uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, that's uh... i enjoyed it Scream is great, man. It's it's one of my favorites. It's aged well for me. Uh, so I'm glad I'm glad you had a fun time with it. And uh, if you liked Scream, I think you're gonna like this movie that I'm about to recommend. That I'm pretty sure Scream you haven't too. seen. Uh, it is Scream Four, actually. No, um, <laughs> but you should actually. All the screams are pretty solid. Um, they they do try to get more into straight horror later on, um, but mm-hmm. they're all pretty enjoyable. Um, and actually with scream scream used to the, i was talking about how scream used to scare the shit out of me there's a line early on when drew barrymore is in her house um mm-hmm. when he goes uh you should check your back door you forgot to lock it mm-hmm. and uh that's i I've, I've talked to you about this before the moment in a horror movie when you real like when you first realize oh fuck uh mm-hmm. someone's you know something wrong that is one mm-hmm. of the best ones because they're having fun she's joking around with him and then he says that and you're like oh shit and that used to scare the hell out of me. Like I ever used, I used to always make sure the doors were locked in my house when I was home alone, because um, I could just hear that voice Fuck. in my head saying that all the time. I still do that. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good idea in general. Um, now I'm thinking about whether or not my door is locked, and I'm not sure. Fuck. <laughs> I uh, I'm going to replace Scream uh, with another movie like it uh, that I think you will enjoy. You have not seen. The Cabin in the Woods, have you? I have not, but I've heard a million things about it. Okay, so. good. I am I'm going to put Cabin in the Woods on there. It's also watch it as a comedy. Is it's another one like that. Um it's is got this, a pretty good cast. Who di- who directed it? JJ Abrams? Um it's not Abrams, it's um Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, there we yeah. go. I I always get them mixed up. Well, They're actually, both- so Joss Whedon is a producer on it. And he wrote it with Drew Goddard, who was the director. Mm. Okay. And we, we like Goddard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't Goddard yeah. do uh, El Royale? Yeah, he did. We really liked yep. that one from last year. Drew Goddard's dope, man. Also, The Martian. Mm. That's a banging fucking three, three, threesome of movies. Um, <laughs> Goddard was also a really good uh, robot dog in Jimmy Neutron. He really was. He really was. So yes, The Cabin in the Woods, uh, I really do think you're going to enjoy it. Very much in the same vein as Scream, just with more, uh, it's even wider, kind of doing, it's kind of lampooning the genre a little bit. You have uh, early Chris uh, early Chris Hemsworth in this, which is pretty entertaining to watch, especially knowing what he would go on to do after that. Um, it's a pretty fun one. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, Bradley Whitford is in here as well, as long uh, alongside the, um, the dad from Step Brothers, whose name I'm often, Richard Jenkins. Yes, he was in. He was nominated for Shape of Water. Yes, yes. Uh, so those those two are playing a pretty good part in that. So yes, uh, how how whatever mood you were in for Scream, uh, be in the same one when you watch Cabin in the Woods, and I think you'll dig it. Okay. Well, I also I do have two free movies left on. Uh, so my list right now is Cabin in the Woods, Zodiac, Equilibrium, Steve Jobs, and How to Train Your Dragon. 
Zodiac and Equilibrium are both on Netflix, so I don't have to pay anything for those. They're rather long, though. I know uh, Zodiac is fucking long. Yeah, it is. So um, Equilibrium is like an hour 47, but that it's not super long. It's actually a little shorter than Scream, but also uh, that one has I have to be in a sci-fi-ish mood to watch that one, so... Yeah, you're gonna to want to be in a specifically agreeable mood for equilibrium. That was that was a little risky choice for me, but I I, mm-hmm. I, do, I do hope you'll dig it. Um, so we checked Scream off, but now the cabin in the woods. You just made the list. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, so what what are you gonna be watching next week? Out of the, uh, you don't have to tell me, but what's your five choices for next? My week? My five choices for the week, and I think I know what one I'm gonna watch, but I have not uh, committed to anything yet. I can watch Toy Story three. If Beale Street could talk, Sicario, Call Me by Your Name, or Wally, and I'll be wow. watching uh, watching one of those this week. Uh, and I'm pretty stoked about it. So, uh, got good choices here. Yeah. So, that's what that's what we do. Seth and I helping each other build out our our film catalogs with our, our newest segment. We missed the boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're gonna need a bigger boat. All right, so. We're done talking movies we missed. Let's talk about some that we got to this weekend in the theaters. Uh, I'm going to venture to say a very, very good weekend at the movies. Um, And uh, let's talk about what we saw in this week's reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Seth, we've been talking about uh, how the summer got off to a really rocky start. Uh, last week we were very pleased with a few things that we saw. We said maybe maybe July is going to turn things around, and I think July is off to a hell of a good start. Uh, I want to first talk about Midsummer, which is the newest A24 horror film. Uh, A24 becoming a big name in horror the last few years with uh, with um, The Witch. Uh, it comes at night, and last year's Hereditary, which we saw. And uh, A24 is, I think, a lot of what's gotten you into horror in recent years because it is kind of that prestige filmmaking, uh, mm-hmm. kind of a new take on the genre. Um, Midsummer it fits very well alongside those other A24 movies in that it is very fucking creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie is a mood more than anything else to me. Um, the gimmick here is that it takes place during the summer solstice in Sweden, and so the sun never goes down. So all of the scary shit that happens in this movie happens in broad daylight, which is a very, very weird uh, kind of setting for a movie. And it was creepy to me. I remember leaving this theater and traditionally you walk out of a horror movie into the daylight and you're like, oh, thank God I'm safe now. And that, it, the movie stuck with me a little bit longer through my drive home, uh, I think, because, you know, it's set during the daylight. Was that a big bonus for you? The fact that that it was all daytime? No, not really. Um, I didn't really... I was never really afraid in this movie. I was just more like, that's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, there's... there's To me, this felt way more like a drama with some weird shit in it than it did a horror movie. Um, from what happens to the beginning up front that kind of causes the chain of events for um, for Florence Pugh's character. What's her name Danny. again? Duh. It starts with a D. Danny. Danny. She... So what happens to her to kind of get her to the point where she ends up going to this midsummer festival uh, with her boyfriend and a, and a group of guys from that moment and then just kind of what happens to her? Like I, I kind of look at this more again, like as a, as a as a personal story drama type thing with with Danny 
than I did as a horror movie. And yeah, there's some like there's a few real minor jump scares that kind of happen. Uh, there's a couple like creepy moments that happen, whether it be through like visions or you know whatever. But this this one is one that stuck with me in a way of just like I've thought about it a lot, not like scared or creeped out. But I just thought about it a lot over the last uh, few days since I've seen it. I saw it on the fourth, so it's been you know, it's been a solid you know three days now or whatever. But you know, it's it's one that I've just thought about a lot because of the themes that happen, because of the 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 whole journey that that Danny has, and and uh, yeah, because a lot of the weird, creepy shit that happens. But it's I don't know. I, I I saw this way more as a drama, and I think I enjoyed it way more because of that. It's 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 one that I think is um, that I've had at a certain place on my list, and then I it's just slowly kind of kind of risen for me as is one of the movies that I've really enjoyed the most this year. It really was, and this is kind of A24's thing, you know, you go in expecting, and all the all the reviews and stuff say really fucking scary, and you go in expecting to be scared, and it's not really what you get. What mm-hmm. you get is very, there's some disturbing imagery and stuff like that, and it's very unsettling, mm-hmm. I think is the best way to put it. Yeah. And um, they do such a good job with the score here, and with some of the shots, and... Um, it's a lot of like really cool camera work, I think is what stuck out mm-hmm. to me here. There's a really interesting, something very simple as like driving in a car and um, mm-hmm. they put the camera upside down along the bottom of the car and so you, the road oh is going God. by above your head. And that's such yeah. a cool shot and it wouldn't work in any other movie because it seems silly, but like it's, I think there's some symbolism to her world getting flipped upside down in that moment, but like um, yep. it's just a really cool, slightly unsettling shot that helps set the tone the 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 action in this movie isn't always driving the the scary or the creepy vibe of it a lot so much of it mm. is the way that it's shot and the way that it's scored yep. uh, there's not a ton of dialogue in this there's not even a lot of action in this but it's just this weird mood that kind of sits on your chest for a couple for hours two and a half hours yeah, it yeah was it's, really, it's, really it's a really long effective. movie yeah, it's a super long. It's it's pretty long. It's a slow burn. But for me, I was in it from. I was in it right away. I was completely just in this world and just kind of at the edge of my seat, watching as everything unfolded. As you learn more and more about the rituals and about what's going to happen, and then looking at all the cues from everything that, uh, all the drawings and and uh, different things that have been that are along the walls of all these homes and things that kind of tell you the story before it happens. I thought that was really cool mm-hmm. and it kept me into it knowing what was going to happen and just like, Holy shit. Um, I thought too, like you compare this to, to hereditary. I like this way more than hereditary. And Agreed. I think for the reason for that is like hereditary was telling a story and it was a really, it was a really just a gut wrenching story. But by the time I got to the end of it, I felt like it just kind of went to a place that I, was not following at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, like it just kind of went, it, it took this personal story and just went completely apeshit with it by the end. Whereas this one for me, it all f- made sense. It all fit together by the end of the story for what happens with Danny and her, her journey. I thought the ending made complete sense. I thought that it was, it was the most co- cohesive, or it was a completely co- cohesive story, whereas uh, hereditary was not. So uh, I, 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 I don't know. Like I didn't, not to say that I had fun or really enjoyed the journey. I just thought it was super well done. And it's one of the movies this year that I thought was, was one of the better ones for me. I, I, I really thought this was, was a really, really well done movie. Um, 
and some really good performances all around. Florence Pugh was incredible mm-hmm. in this, and the, the the entire supporting cast was was great. Uh, they really sold everything that was happening to them in the in this world. Will Poulter's always great in everything he does, and he kind of played a little different character than he than he has in in some past movies too. So it was good to see him do do a, another really good job. I don't know. I just the distinct style that that was in uh, throughout with Ari Aster. He has a he has a distinct style Very. with his movies, even though that Hereditary was a little different storytelling telling wise. You could totally see these two movies existing in the same universe. You know, like just the way it was all shot and the colors and the just everything all around it. It, it it's I don't know. I I'm very impressed with Ari Aster all all the way around. But Midsummer is is one that I think. Is going to sit with me for a long time. Yeah, this is one I'm hope I'm I'm, I'm planning to eventually go back to and try to like pay a little bit closer attention because you're right there there are hints and Easter eggs kind of throughout that are really fun and rewarding to kind of spot, and uh, they don't hide them super. You know, they they kind of want you to to know um, because this is a movie that has a relatively simple plot, and mm-hmm. you know what happens over the course of this movie isn't in and of itself surprising, especially because they. But they tell you a lot of it ahead of time, but like um, the dramatic irony in here, which is the audience knowing what's going to happen, but we know that the characters don't yet, is I think what really ramps up the tension here. And like this made me feel so tense for so much of this movie that Mm -hmm. uh, it was so effective at what it set out to do, which was just to creep you out kind of. And I almost... I don't prefer that to actual scare my pants off horror, um, <laughs> but it is a it is different and it is cool to like strap in and go along and just live in this vibe for a couple hours is is an interesting thing and they do a really good job of pulling you into that, which mm-hmm. is I mean it's just so well done. But it's you're right it's not it it, it maybe doesn't even make sense make complete sense to call it horror. You know mm-hmm. if you if you were if you were trying to recommend this movie to someone. Uh, and you wanted to avoid describing it as a horror movie, like, how would you go about telling someone, like, what is this movie like? Like, how would you genre-size something like Midsummer? Because we're getting more and more of these from A24, and I think we're going to have to come up with a genre for it other than just A24 movies. Yeah, it would probably be like a a dark psychological thriller, maybe. Not thriller, though. Not thriller. Dark dark psychological drama. Because... It's not like you're never like thrilled <laughs> in this movie, you know, like with a thriller, it's like always those moments where you're like, <gasps> you know, like mm-hmm. there there is some of that. But you're almost like, you know, like, oh, oh, oh <laughs> like like that, you know, and it, it, it really does fuck with your head um, through, throughout this movie. It, probably something like that dark psychological drama where you have to warn people like this is one with your website that you have, like uh, does the dog die or whatever. Yes. That this this is one that definitely you have to look at beforehand if if you have any sort of sensitivity because I can I can tell you like I don't have a lot of with movies I do a good job of if something shitty like Vox Lux is a, is an example like something really bad happens up front but I'm still able to like be in the movie without with knowing it's still a movie mm-hmm. you, you know and there's something that happens up front in this movie where I was like it took me a second to like okay you know that's done yeah. <laughs> like and and it's be and it's because of the way he shot it the way the the music the I don't know if it actually was even music it might have just been um a lot of screaming <laughs> that was going on yeah and uh yeah the way it was shot the way that it was it was just like this really long drawn out scene that was a tracking shot that 
yeah, I think the background was just a lot of crying and, and stuff like that. Maybe there was some somber music too, but just really dark and, and tense and you're just, oh, and then you're feeling what the, you know, what, what happened, uh, through the, the, through Danny, the main character. And you're just like, motherfucker. And it, yeah, it took me a second to like, once, once I got past that, just, and even after that too, is like, you see her after effects of it all. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, when is, when is, when is she going to break? <laughs> you know, like it's, oh, it's, it's rough. Like this whole, the whole movie does have a tense feeling because of everything that happens. And it's not till the end when you, you know, let that butthole release and it's not sore anymore. But uh, it's, it's, it, yeah, it, it's a two and a half hour, just dark time that, that, and it's not dark on the screen. Like, like you said, it's bright, but it's just, there's always some sort of tense feeling throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, it's, I, I think Ari Aster accomplished everything he set out for, at least in my mind. Totally, totally did. And I'm really glad that A24 is is getting these movies put out because these are they're definitely like risky movies to make because they're not so overtly scary. Um, you know, they don't really they're tough to genre size. So, you know, I understand the risk uh, involved, but I'm so glad that he's getting to make these because I think they're really effective. And he's obviously an excellent filmmaker. Um, he also, I think, is afraid of white people. <laughs> um, <laughs> white people in Ari Aster movies are fucking scary. And um, this one is no exception. Absolutely, you're going to want to check out Does the Dog Die on this one. We'll link to it in the description box so you can have your, your triggers warning or triggers warned. Um, I want to finish by reiterating something that you said earlier. Florence Pugh is incredible in this movie. Um, this is the first I've seen her. I, I did not see Fighting With My Family, but I'm really stoked to now. And I'm so excited to see what she's doing next. I know she's got Black, uh, Black Widow um, in the not-too-distant future. She was... Uh, very, very, very great in this. As as much as I, uh, I don't often uh, compliment the lead actress in a horror movie, but she was fantastic. Midsummer is out now. You can check it out in theaters. Um, we uh, we both are on the love it side. Um, fun is a really weird way to describe this one, but I think it is borderline excellent. Just from like a yeah, me too. Just from a a a practical filmmaking standpoint, like like you said, he accomplishes what he set out to do. I mean, this was really, really good piece of movie. Yep, I agree with that. I, I'd have it in the excellent category. Very good. I, I would love, I would love for the year to end with Midsummer as one of your top ten films. I think that would be very, it's, that'd be rewarding for me. It's up there, and there's also a chance too, depending on how it comes out. Um, maybe it's in my top, my top ten. I could have a couple horror movies yeah. in there. We're gonna make a horror fan of you yet, my friend. <laughs> Let's go on to uh, another film here. Now, this is one that I'm very jealous you got to see because I have not seen it um, in my theater here in Oregon yet. Um, Very, very, very high critical praise so far for this indie film that has come out. Uh, Everyone is raving about it, so I'm interested to hear your take. Yeah, so I had a chance to check out a very small uh, independent movie um, at the uh, local art house theater, uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, I was, uh, there was, I was in a theater full of white people, so there's no black people in my theater. Um, (laughs) so this one, it's, it's not, um, this is also an A24 movie as well. So I had a couple A24 films this weekend. Uh, definitely not, uh, (laughs) definitely no strange scenes of weird, uh, weird horror in this movie. Uh, but A24 does do a good job with drama as well. So. They this one uh, stars Jimmy Fails, uh, who is also playing. He he also plays Jimmy Fails in this movie. Um, I I don't believe this is a like a 
a true, exactly true life story because it is kind of fantastical in a couple uh, couple instances, but it was co-written by Jimmy Fails and uh, then directed and, and co-written by Joe Talbot as well. But this one, uh, basically what this one, it didn't have necessarily like a complete like through line in this. Basically what, what you kind of get after about 20 or so minutes is you find out that Jimmy, Jimmy Fails is he kind of just like goes around doing odd jobs and things like that. And he lives in San Francisco. He's got a best friend named Montgomery. Um, he's played by not, not a super well-known actor. Um, Jonathan majors. Um, he's kind of, I guess he's on a couple smaller things, I think, but he, uh, these really, it's focused around these two people. They, Jimmy sees this house that, or I guess he he knows about this house. It ran ran through his family, uh, and he actually grew up in at one at early on in his life, and really his his entire life has been kind of centered around the idea of this house. Uh, San Francisco is a place that is over the last several years now has become more gentrified and and more more white. Uh, it's been a lot more. Uh, basically where a lot of hippies and things like that are, or people like that are moving into it's, it's just becoming kind of a nicer place uh, to live. It's being, you know, cleaned up and all, and all that stuff with doing that though. It's, it's driven a lot of the people who originally were there a lot of, a lot of San Francisco used to be full of, full of black people and, and different races and, and things like that. And now it's, it's becoming too expensive to live there and people are being pushed out. And so Jimmy seeing this house is, uh, still like he's having a hard time moving on from it. So he's still going to this house and like, although even though other people are living there, he's like fixing it up. He's like painting things and, and stuff like that because this house means everything to him in, in terms of what he believes is San Francisco. And so he, you know, people are telling him to get the hell out of here, man. You, you know, this isn't your house. You shouldn't be painting it for us, even though we appreciate <laughs> it. And, and uh, he's having a hard time moving on from that. So it is. It is a lot. But that's a big through line of the story. Is of the of the of the movie. I guess is is because it's not really a centralized one. It really kind of jumps and and doesn't. A lot of the shots and things like that just make it really almost like a slice of life thought, like just a, a stream of consciousness type of movie in a way, which is interesting. But uh, that that's kind of a main point. Is you know what's going on in San Francisco along uh, along those lines too. There's also an uh, a story of like um, having friends within your race. So like having different types of friends. Like some like in this movie, they make an example of like Jimmy. Jimmy grew up with with friends in San Francisco who were kind of associated with gangs and causing trouble and things like that. But then also Montgomery is not that. He's a very I think he's got some sort of mental issues of some kind, but he's very, you know, he's, he's smart too. He like, he does, he draws a lot and is into art and, and things like that. He's into plays. He loves, he likes to write plays. And, and so Jimmy kind of falls in between that. And so there's, there's that struggle him with him there too, of like, what type of friendship should I, do, do I need to fit into, or do I need to fit in, into any sort of friendship? Can I be friends with multiple types of people within my race, or do I need to fit one stereotype, that type of thing? So there, there's that in there as well. Huh. So a couple of really big points they, they, they do try and make in this movie, and I think they succeed for the most part. Like I mentioned up front, it takes a while to get into this movie. It takes about 20, 25 minutes to kind of really figure out what 
like what the message is they're going for. And so I had a hard time really connecting to anything for that first 20 minutes. Once they get there, it's great. It's perfect. They, you know, they do what they, what, what they set out to do and the performances are great and all, you know, the music and the, and especially the cinematography in this is, is great. They, there's a lot of really incredible shots in this. Um, and, and a lot of times that makes it look like a dream state, you know, things like that, that make it just look really, really, uh, really crisp, but at the same time also make it look kind of fuzzy they do like different those type of things too so it's really cool i, I thought the shot the the way the cinematography was was done was, was re- really well done the music again great um performance is great but yeah the the the, t- the first 20 minutes or so was really tough for me to get into so i did find myself just kind of not fully there but once it got there i, I was in so that'd probably be my one main issue with the movie um is, is is how long it took to get there and then i guess also too it just felt a little disjointed at times because it did feel like a stream of consciousness. So it did kind of jump uh, here and there where it just felt like I wasn't fully grasping what they were going for until they like made it clear. So mm-hmm. just a little bit of that. It did definitely feel like an indie, indie like pa- passion project more than it felt like a, they were going for like a prestige movie or even something more, um, something that is something for general audiences to accept like this has to have a message in it that you understand or can can relate to or uh, something that you're looking for uh, in, in this case in order to, to really enjoy this it, it, like as I kind of knew a little bit about the story going into it about the the whole thing about gentrification and things like that so I, I heard uh, an actor and I think the director talk about it in a podcast that I listened to so I I knew going in what I was looking for but even then knowing what I was looking for it took 25 minutes for me to even get to that point where I where I started caring uh, so you know it's it's not not necessarily a film I think everyone will connect to but I think it's something that everyone should see just because it does tell a really important story uh, through, you know overall and I think there's some really great performances and and it's just a really well done movie all around so uh, I would I would say just kind of know what you're looking for, know what you're going to get into going into this movie. And I think you'll really appreciate the messages. You just have to get to that point first. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a borderline excellent. Again, it's 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 a movie that I think right now is in my top 10 for the year. I don't know how long it'll stay there for, uh, depending on what we see the rest of the year. But it, it's kind of lower half top 10. And it's uh, it's definitely an, it's a definitely a borderline excellent movie for me. Nice. I can't wait to get out and see this. The, the praise has been um, much um and so it sounds to me like you're you're not as high on it as some folks are saying because we have heard right. that like it's the best indie movie in ten years or whatever. Yeah. Um. So, but you you enjoyed it. It sounds like quite a bit, but not maybe as much as some of the folks out there are saying. Yeah, I think maybe too. My expectations were just too high for it, mm-hmm. and I it just didn't fully I didn't fully grasp onto it like I wanted to. So that could be it too. Uh, others could see it and say this is the best. Uh, just for me though, again, for me. With with a with a movie, especially like an independent movie, I want to be in from the beginning with it. And something like this just took a little bit too long for me to get there. Sure, you talked about the uh, the cinematography and the score a little bit. Um, is this one? I know it's going to be tough for a lot of folks to see this in theaters. Um, do you think that it's going to lose any effect by being watched at home, or do you think it's going to still be no. um, still be just as good? 
It'll still be just as good. I mean, uh, definitely have some some good sound up. I think the music is something. It's very the music is very important. I think the music tells part of the story in terms of emotions and how the characters are feeling. And then along to with with the cinematography in this one, it's it's more about what it's showing on the screen than like the big scale things. So when you're seeing some of these shots that are, feel like dreamlike in, in in some ways, or just some of the, the the scenery they shoot around San Francisco is really neat too. So yeah, you don't. I mean, it's great to see this on a bigger screen, but I mean, I didn't see it. Honestly, a lot of TVs are <laughs> some, some of the size that, that I saw this on. So I don't think that that necessarily makes a huge difference. Well, there you go. The movie is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Uh, you can try to find it in theaters near you. You're probably not going to get it unless you're in a big city, um, but uh, certainly on VOD uh, later this year. So uh, make sure you check that one out. And we are going to go forward on to Spider-Man Far From Home. And um, it's funny, with this movie, I, for the first few months of of this year, forgot Spider-Man was coming out. And then (laughs) Endgame happened, and I was like, oh man, I'm all MCU'd out now for a while, because I just watched every one. And then in the last, like, week or so leading up to Far From Home, that good old Spidey love that I have uh, showed back up, and I was so excited to get to this. Your Peter tingling off? Yeah, my Peter was tingling for sure. Um, <laughs> we are gonna we'll, we'll give some high level uh, spoiler free stuff early on, and we'll get to spoilers in a second. Don't worry though, uh, we will warn you before we do that. So Seth, let's start here. This movie had a tough job, uh, which was to follow up Endgame, and uh, it had to address some of the stuff that happens in Endgame, and it and it had to be the rebound off of the emotional kind of you know uh, weight of Endgame. So they, they definitely went a different task, went a different track, uh, and they really lightened the tone here, which for me was refreshing because the MCU has been so, yeah, like re- recently. And so it was good to have more How, fun. How's that go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was good to have more fun again in a movie. Do, would you agree? Did you like the lighter tone here? Yeah, uh, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. Uh, but there were still some moments in this too, though, with with uh, some of the Stark stuff that was still getting me. Oh yeah, I was like, okay. yeah, I was like, I I think that the the Stark thing being being gone um, is gonna be something that probably gets me for a long time, and it's mostly just for the fact that we'll never see him again. <laughs> that I'm just like, it still kills me when they bring him up. But yeah, I think I think that it still still had some emotional depth. But I, I think the 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 fun nature of Spider Man that that is usually there. Uh, they definitely capitalized on this one. Absolutely. It's, um, and that's exactly right. A, a super dramatic Spider-Man movie would not be, uh, it just wouldn't be Spider-Man, you know? Um, but that, that does actually lead me to the, uh, my favorite thing about this movie. This is totally comic book Spidey. Like mm-hmm. this is the Spider-Man-iest Spider-Man. I think that's ever been put in any of the films that I've seen. Like I mentioned in, in, Raimi, they're they're making some tweaks. They're changing things up. You know, the tone is a little different. ASM did it. You know, I think a little closer to the true comic. This is by far the most like quintessentially Spider-Man movie that I've that I that I think exists. Um, he's solving things the way Spider-Man tends to solve things, um, and you have the whole high school aspect of it and trying to be friends with his friends and stuff. And like, I don't know if I want to be Spider-Man. Like, I want to hang out with my friends. Like. They they absolutely knocked out of the park everything that is Spider-Man in this. And that was my favorite part of this. Let's talk about this cast here, too, because obviously we were introduced to all these kids in Homecoming. Uh, as luck would have it, they all uh, blipped out 
with the snap and then came <laughs> back, uh, which they handle in a very funny and cool way in this. Um, yeah. But uh, I really like this high school cast. You've got Flash, you've got mm-hmm. uh, Ned uh, and Betty, and then, of course, uh, Zendaya's MJ here. Um, I thought this was an awesome cast. I'm really excited to see what they do next here, but I was very pleased that they were all back in their same roles here. Uh, and I thought everyone performed admirably. The supporting cast is important to these movies, and I thought they crushed it. I got to tell you, man, it's it's been two movies, and I'm ready to call it. I don't like Ned Leeds. You don't <laughs> I, like I Ned? don't at all. I don't at all. I think I mentioned it, too, on when we did our ride home for Spider-Man Homecoming. Um that I didn't like Ned in that one, but I, I was giving him a chance, and I've had two full movies of him now, and I I just don't like him. <laughs> I, I really don't. I want I want I want Harry. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of Ned. Yeah, that I can see. I was talking with my brother today about Harry Osborn and and um, you know if he's going to be included in the MCU, how cool and how would they do that? But I like needs. I, I like Ned Leeds. Uh, I totally, <laughs> totally understand why you wouldn't though. He is pretty cartoonish and goofy. Is that kind of what you? He's, yeah, kind of. But I really just, don't, I think he's selfish. <laughs> I think he's a very selfish character. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm tired of. And like Peter, just like, fucking loves the kid for being a selfish little dick. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I don't understand. He's a douche. <laughs> oh, so you don't like? You think as a character he's a bad guy? I thought you were saying he's a bad character. I think he's about. I think it doesn't make sense why Peter would be best friends with them, and I I don't get their relationship. I just I don't I don't want him to be like at least with 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 Harry and like the the Raimi films. Like he at least they at least had kind of a a, 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 a level friendship. Mm-hmm. Like Harry didn't necessarily like Harry, even though he's rich and everything, he didn't necessarily look down on Peter. You know, all the, like, until he got evil. Like they're. Ned and Ned doesn't look down on Peter, but he's just like he's always looking for he's always looking for help from Peter slash Spider Man. Uh-huh. He doesn't do anything in return for him really ever. Um, he's the be the, and then and then in this one it's just even proved further that he's a douchebag because like he's given Peter all kinds of shit for being in a relationship or wanting to be with MJ, and then he goes and fucking gets in one like and then, and then he leaves Peter high and dry. I'm like. Uh, this kid is a little fucking douche. I don't understand why Peter Parker's friends with him. I can't stand Ned. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that. If he would have got snapped back into like a garbage, like a, a garbage truck and got smashed or something, I would have been. If he would have not survived the the blip, I would have been completely fine. I wish I, he could have just died. I I'm, I don't care about Ned. <laughs> oh man, Ned's a shitty friend, and and Seth doesn't like it. Uh, I am in favor of Ned Leeds. Let us know on on Facebook and Twitter, guys. What what do you think of Ned? Uh, as a character and as a friend, because you're right, he he does he does come up short uh, often with with Peter. But I want to know your thoughts on uh, MJ. I was talking uh, with my brother today. He said he doesn't like MJ. I like her a lot. Uh, I like mm-hmm. her expanded role here, and um, you know it's it's made clear in the trailers that there's a romantic interest there uh, between the two of them. Uh, did you did you like that part of this one? I did. I, I. This is another one too, because like she wasn't in Homecoming very much. She she basically just said like you guys were dorks. Like that was the whole thing. So this one we got a lot more of her, and we got the the her and and uh, Peter's relationship. Uh, really to see you got to see that. So he ditched his fucking douchebag friend Ned <laughs> and got to hang out with his with his hot lady MJ, and uh, <laughs> and so we got to see that relationship kind of bud and grow and and kind of see that that chemistry start to build and. I really liked their dynamic. It's different. It's a different MJ than what we've seen 
in 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 the past, and I'm not just saying by hair color or skin color. I'm saying just her attitude mm-hmm. uh, is very different. She's very she's a much darker person, uh, but she's got a little she's got a, a you know a soft side to her too. But she's a darker person. She's not the same like. Um, go getter, energetic, like MJ usually is. MJ is usually like the, you know, someone who's researching and always trying to better herself and and you know become a great reporter or whatever iteration of you know what she is in the comics or video games or movies or whatever. Uh, this one, she just kind of she's chill and and you know is is just kind of in her own world and and I like their dynamic that they have. It, it's 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 a lot of fun. It really is, and I think it's. Their dynamic, as well as just the whole setting of this being a school trip, is so high school that I love it. Mm-hmm. Like, even like when they do have their little romantic moments, it's like shy and awkward as 16 year olds mm-hmm. would be. I think they really <laughs> yep. nailed the high school aspect of this. And that's, I think, a good dovetail into Tom Holland, who is totally crushing Peter Parker. I agree with what you said. I think he is, um, he is the best all around Spidey that we've had Mm -hmm. and he does such a good job of being dweeby high school kid which is like the challenge that they always have is they have to have actors do this and actors are hot people and tom holland is obviously a hot person but he plays that dweeby kind of awkward (laughs) uh it's an updated take on kind of the social outcast and here he just is very awkward and Mm -hmm. he nails that every time and uh what he does when he's in the suit obviously is very cool as well like he, uh, I'm sold on him as my Spidey. I want a hundred more, more movies with Tom Holland. Totally agree. Yeah, he's he is he is perfect. <laughs> um, he just every everything he does interact with, like every character that he interacts with, there's something there with that. Whether it be you know, like we said, MJ, Ned. Even though I hate fucking Ned, um, you know they have they have they have a belief like. They have a friendship that's not necessarily believable for me, but like you, you can see that they care for each other. Mm. Like he does a good job of that, you know. Um, Hogan, Happy Hogan, their their relationship in this one was was really good. I like that a lot. Oh yeah. Uh, him and him and uh, Aunt May, who can one hundred percent get Oof. it. Uh, <laughs> My God, I I almost get frustrated because they talk about her being hot so much, but it's so true. Mm. You have to talk about it. <laughs> and so yeah, it's it's. There, he he just he just does an amazing job. He even has like a fun little thing with with Flash Thompson, like mm-hmm. that that has been going on throughout. Like, just he's he is perfect, and he's he is he's doing a great job in that role. Mm-hmm. It's uh, there's there's so many times, and this is classic Spidey, where he's like, um, it would be very easy for him to just say something smart, but he like is like, oh well, uh, so I gotta you know, uh, gotta run, and then he runs off. Like he does that mm-hmm. that little stutter thing he does so well and Tom Holland is fucking great in this. Um, last but certainly not least, uh, Mysterio as played by Jake Gyllenhaal uh, to me was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. This was Mysterio. This is comic book Mysterio one thousand um, percent. The way they the way he's introduced to the MCU I think is is brilliant. I loved the way that they they made sense of him being around now. Um, Hall is giving a great performance here. Um, and uh, this is absolutely one of my favorite characters that we've had in the MCU so far. Uh, <laughs> I was a huge fan of, of, uh, of Mysterio. What do you think? I, yeah, I loved Mysterio. This is, this is one character, I mean, you can honestly say that about Vulture too. Like, 
they've just done an amazing job with these these villains. But Mysterio, in 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 particular, one character that shouldn't translate to movies at all. Nope. He's he's a TV he's a TV character. He really is. He especially the cartoon. But they did it perfectly. They, I mean, Jalen Hall's great. He's he's a great actor. We you know we can we can talk about that all day long. But what they did with the character itself, where they made him very mischievous, uh, mischievous and and deceptful and then they tied everything back into the, his motivations to prior movies and i'm like are you fucking kidding me right now mm-hmm. like they they took these simple little things and simple little characters and brought it all back in to 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 show motivations and i'm like that is fucking genius like that is awesome yeah awesome job and but the, yeah the, the the reasons behind mysterio and then like the effects and and all the the different things around like just perfect it was great it was it was really really well done yeah he Oh, man. The effects in this is another highlight. I thought the effects in this were incredible. There is a lot going on here that's CGI. And uh, I thought visually it was very cool. There were a couple specific sequences that we'll get into in spoilers that I was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm looking at right now. Um, So I thought the effects were fantastic, um, especially around Spidey and his action scenes. Um, a lot of times mm-hmm. with the MCU, they have a problem of really chopping up the action and um, you don't really get to see what's going on. Here, you get quite a few like wide, wide angle shots and you can see what he's doing and you can tell that they took the care to like, okay, he's jumping from this building over there and he's got to turn and then shoot a web and then his body <laughs> is going to react this way and he swings in just the right way. And it's like slightly imperfect like he'll slip when he's running sometimes, or um, mm-hmm. or a handle come loose. Uh, it's it's the and and almost all that stuff is CGI, um, but they made it look so much like a real uh, how Spider Man would actually look if any of that shit were possible. Um, and mm-hmm. I thought the effects were I I didn't really notice any rubber manny type stuff. I don't know if you did, but I thought the effects Mm-mm. were through the roof. Yeah, I didn't notice anything either. Yeah, this was. Um, Visually, just very cool. I mean, top to bottom, this is very, very good. Uh, it would rank high on my MCU list, and of course, it ranked high on our list of Mambo number five. So we are absolutely saying you need to get out and see Spider-Man: Far From Home in the theater. Uh, as with all these horror movies, or horror movies, as with all these uh, hero movies, uh, it is best seen on a big screen, a loud screen, if you can. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, get out and see that. But I am so stoked to talk some spoilers here because there's some cool ass shit to talk about. So we're gonna hit the spoilers. If you haven't seen it, uh, go forward in the timestamps and uh, and and miss what we're gonna say because we're gonna spoil the movie. Um, but let's let's get into that now. S P O I L spoil. Soiled it. Soiled it. Soiled it. You ruined it, and I'm leaving. Holy crap! <laughs> this movie. Uh, I saw it a couple days late and was really nervous about spoilers. Um, the the first spoiler isn't really one because it's it's if you know anything about Mysterio and if you un, you know watched any of the marketing, you knew um, that the Elementals aren't really the villain here. Mysterio is, and I uh, I really dug even knowing it. I thought the way that they revealed it was very cool. Yeah. And uh, I think that the way they explained how he works, which uh, you're right, you said it before, uh, he is not, should never work in a movie. Absolutely fucking not. He's for a cartoon. Yeah. And uh, they absolutely made it make sense with the drones. Yep. Um, they made his, pulled his motivations from the other movies, which was so cool. 
Uh, that was awesome. When they, as, as he was, as they were going in, in and out of the different movies, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Like, how do they? Because you like they just adjusted some of the footage, mm-hmm. and and so I was like, this is awesome. That this all makes sense based off other things that have been talked about briefly mm-hmm. in the other movies. Like, come on. This is that's something that is quintessentially impossibly unique to the MCU that they are able to do shit like that. And if regardless of what you think about the MCU, it is so cool to know that a five or so year old movie is informing what we saw in this and you didn't realize it. It's why, it's why the end of split is so cool. Um, And it was such a small, like the other thing is it's such a small thing from a five year old movie. mm -hmm. Like it was just a piece of that five year old movie, like a real tiny nugget of that five year old movie. And then they did it with all their characters, too, that they brought into this one. It's like, man, that's awesome. The whole villain and the fact that it's a team of guys trying to make this work um, is so cool. When he turns and he's no longer really trying to put his arm around Peter and all that stuff. I really got into basically his turn in the middle of the movie, which if I have a gripe, I think it took a little bit too long, but, um, yeah, once they got there, that movie takes off and Gyllenhaal is a big part of that. His mischievous kind of Hollywood dickhead kind of, I, I want to be famous is his motivation. Uh, I think is so cool and well done by Gyllenhaal here. Um, he was a perfect cast for this role. Um, and, uh, Everything with him being bad, uh, the sequences I was talking about before, the the dreams, I guess, sequences that he puts Peter through are so fucking cool. Um, mm-hmm. It's it reminds me of Doctor Strange, the, the when she first you know shoots him out of his head, um, when he's going through some of that are very very awesome, and uh, visually what they did was very cool. They got very creative with it. He's moving around mm-hmm. and stuff. He's physically not where he looks like he is. And it gave the climax of this movie with the two of them on that bridge yeah. uh, was maybe 15 of my favorite m- minutes in any of these Spider-Man movies. It was so fucking perfect. Uh, he's relying on his Spidey sense to beat him. And then... Which which the spider sense is something he hasn't really developed in the first few movies he's been in. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 cool that they are doing it now and, and like they're explaining that you know this is an important reason why he has it now so mm-hmm. i thought that was neat that they finally brought that into his his repertoire oh god it's so smart you know cuz you're like how do you beat mysterio if he's actually going to put you through all this stuff how can you beat him the only way is with spidey mm-hmm. sense and it's so brilliant that they were able to kind of tie those two things and then you of course have the moment um where mysterio still gets the upper hand and peter kind of gets him uh when he's trying to shoot him and I was mm-hmm. like, I almost stood up. I was like, fuck yeah, Spidey. <laughs> that is awesome. Like, this movie had a lot of great, you know, nothing quite to the level of Captain America with Mjolnir, but like pretty fucking close. Mm-hmm. Had some badass Spidey moments. Uh, I loved this so much. Yeah. Um, one other thing, too, that I was very happy, and I I, I called it just seeing the trailers and knowing the, the character Mysterio is, but no multiverse. I was very happy oh, that, God, that, yeah. that, that that was... Uh, as revealed as a as a as a you know a plot device for for Mysterio to to fuel fool people and all all that, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that that's not existing. And uh, I, I pr- a lot of people were like freaking out about it, saying, "Oh, there you know a lot of references to it, and, and you know the multiverse is here. What can they do now?" And I'm like, "Wait till we see the movie. I have a feeling this is not going to be real." Mm-hmm. And I was right, so I was happy about that. Um, yeah, the, the the Mysterio the sequences where he's you know using the 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 effects to 
like that was pulled straight out of the 90s cartoon. Oh, yeah. Like that was that shit was straight out of the 90s cartoon. I, I was loving that. Um, and then for me, like the moment that I was probably the most giddy in the theater was J.K. Simmons reprising his role oh, as J. Jonah God, Jameson. It was perfect. Uh, yeah. The post credits. We got to talk about the post credit scenes. And yeah, though, these may be two of my favorites so far. Um, yep. I'm, I'm not usually I'm pissed that I've stayed through the whole thing but this yeah. is setting up the future for the MCU in a huge way uh, you have yep. J.K. Simmons coming on and revealing that um, <laughs> that uh, Gyllenhaal uh, Mysterio had a fake video uh, so now everyone, th- everyone thinks Spider-Man is evil and was the perpetrator of this stuff and they all know that he's Peter Parker holy shit um, this made me and actually the the it was that guy with the the flash drive mm-hmm. that pulled that it wasn't Mysterio it was, that was done basically after the fact ah yeah 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 um, he, but he could he could actually end up being Mysterio still this guy um, they could still have a Mysterio with this oh, shit, you're that right. professor guy yeah so um, my brother which means it's still open for still open for Sinister Six at some point yep uh, my brother has a theory that I think would be very cool that that guy is Otto Octavius. Uh, hmm. I don't know if they'll go that route, but that would be pretty cool. Because I think my my theory for Spider-Man specifically in the future is that we've already met the person who is going to be a... Who, we've already met at least one person who will become a villain. Um, whether it's a teacher or one of his schoolmates or someone else that we don't aren't thinking about. Could be Ned. Could be Ned. Uh, Ned Leeds is a... And then I hope Spider-Man kills him. He is a, <laughs> uh, he is a hobgoblin in um, in the comics at, a, at some point, so... Um, anybody could turn into a villain, which I think is cool, but I have to know what happens immediately after the end of that shot. Um, <laughs> like I want the John Wick three picking up the second John Wick two left <laughs> off where he's tearing through the city beaten ass. Um, that I gotta know like that, that post credit scene more than anyone that I've seen yet had me just like, I must have the next movie right fucking now. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, what's perfect too is they like, I can still picture it pretty clearly, but when 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 he said that, you know, Spider Man is Peter Parker, the eyes on his suit, like on his mask, went like really wide. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. To be able to, do, I love the way they do the eyes because he can show emotion. Um, yep. In you know, without having, uh, well, he can show emotion. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, that was wild, man. I got to know what happens next. Uh, it's gonna be a while mm-hmm. before we find out, though. Um, the other post-credit scene is another huge one for MCU implications. Uh, Nick Fury and Maria uh, Hill, Hill are revealed to be Skrull, uh, mm-hmm. which is a twist in and of itself, but not people. People saw this coming, right? Skrulls were always mm-hmm. going to be impersonating people. An interesting twist on that, though, is that they're good guys. Um, so not quite in the Secret Wars. Um, uh, you know, storyline that some people were expecting the next phase of the MCU to be based around. Uh, they're good guys. They're working with Nick Fury, who is off on some spaceship, I'm guessing with Captain Marvel. Um, and he's real fat. <laughs> and he's gotten fat and stuff. Do you think that he's always been, like ever since Captain Marvel, he's been out off with no. her? Or do you think this is new maybe since Endgame? I don't know. I, I really, I, it might be new. But at the same time, you know, he's kind of looking fat. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> it could have been. It could be a while. Yeah. I, it's interesting. It'll, 
it'll be fun to uncover that. And there still could be them being evil. You know, I know, I know they seem like nice, but right. I, th- I still think there could be a way that they're that they're evil. They could be playing Nick Fury or whatever it might be. And is that even Nick Fury up there? That could that could also be a scroll, yeah. Too, you know. So I, you know, I don't know. That's the thing I love about the Secret Invasion is that uh, is that it. You never know with any with any way they're going. You don't know which way they're going because any any of these people could have been scrolls. I was expecting a scroll to be an Endgame, mm-hmm. um, and and then it wasn't. And so I'd kind of push that out of my mind as being something. And I, I know there was a little rumor that Ben Mendelsohn was in was in home, uh, home or sorry at the end of Endgame. Uh, as a teacher in Peter's school, which that could still make sense. That could have actually happened mm-hmm. too. You know, that could have actually been him. And we might hear down the road that they confirm that or whatever. But there's there's a ton of ways they can go with the secret invasion. There could still just there could be one one scroll who goes off and is bad and creates a revolution, almost like a civil war mm-hmm. um, type thing. So th- I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see where this goes. And I think they've opened up they've opened up th- this that that phase. Or, excuse me, this post credit scene. Felt like a phase one post credit scene yep. where it set where it just like introduced like gave you a little nugget and I feel like now the the MCU I'm I'm excited again to see where they go like it, it I haven't been this excited to see what's going to happen next in a, in a movie in terms of like where can they go you know like I I know like I obviously knew from since probably I don't know I guess maybe Guardians two where this is all leading to because we have the infinity stones and all that. So I'm like, okay, I know where this is going to end up mm-hmm. now. I'm just like, okay, where do we go from here? They've introduced these nuggets. They obviously have a plan, but where do they go? Mm-hmm. And I'm excited about that. It's been since phase one that we've had that really. Yep. Absolutely. I, this is, I was really concerned about like, how am I going to stay emotionally attached after Endgame? Um, and mm-hmm. Spider-Man, first of all, pretty good fucking way to get me involved. Um, <laughs> but uh, I am back in, the mode I was in when we first found out that Thor was going to show up. Um, like the, uh, the anticipation of like, Oh my God, they can do that. What's next, uh, is back for me. So I am very mm-hmm. stoked, uh, for what the future of the MCU might hold. Um, the, uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the relationship between Tony Stark and, and Peter Parker. And I, I've never been on board for it. I've never much cared about it, uh, outside of, of him getting dusted. Um, but there was a single moment in this when he is uh, doing the holographic doodads with the computer and Happy fires up back in black. Oh, yeah. That was that. I, oh I never thought I was going to be so in for that. <laughs> I got chills a little bit of yep. tear in the eye. And I was like, holy yep. shit, that is awesome. <laughs> I, I was yep. living for that shot. That was awesome. Yeah. Like, the, like you said, I, I just got the chills now with you talking about yeah. it. Like that shit was so good. <laughs> and it, yeah, because he, he's, I mean, he's, he is going to be, you know, like that guy, you know, he's going to be the genius, you know, scientist type guy who kind of takes over that mantle is, is I think the leader. I, I think that's where they're going to go with this mm-hmm. is him as kind of the leader of everyone. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And I, I hope Ho- happy Hogan sticks around cause I love their relationship oh, yeah. and you know, got, got all the cool tech and all that stuff. And there's, uh, I think I, I did notice the, uh, the PS4 Spider-Man suit mm-hmm. down in the corner when he was scrolling through. I was like, man, that's cool. I love when they throw these little things in and then they were definitely doing doing the fan service with Jonah James, Jonah, J. Jonah Jameson and J.K. Simmons. I just, 
they they did so much shit in here, especially like the last those two post credit scenes just fully ramped up. Like I was already really liking the movie, but by the time those came on and I saw those, I'm like, okay, this is fucking awesome. I'm so I'm so back in. I love this shit. Here we go. Yeah. No, it's like the it's such a perfect cliffhanger, you know? Mm-hmm. And you don't get that much you don't get a ton of that in movies. You get a lot in shows. Um and I mean the MCU is essentially a long T V show, but like the the like here's this big dramatic thing that just happened and everyone's like, Oh fuck, like what's going on? What are we gonna do next? End. Like I, I I hate cliffhangers, but that is a perfect fucking cliffhanger, and I'm, it makes me so excited. That's it had the desired effect, uh, at least on mm-hmm. me. And this is just you know you talk about this being so quintessentially Spidey, and he's he's using his brain, you know, um, to fight these things off. He's making the upgrades to the suit and outsmarting them. He he figures out how to get in inside the the thing, uh, the the illusion in order to beat it up like and then the way his spidey combat works here where he's using different types of web kind of seamlessly uh, and moving around he seems very comfortable as spider-man this was this was very as a spider-man movie this was damn near perfect for me uh because this is the spider-man i've always wanted to see Mm -hmm. so we will be patiently not so patiently waiting for the next installment in the mcu uh next year but uh Definitely excited to see where things go. We're going to... Anything else you want to mention before we take off the spoiler warning? No. All right. <laughs> well, uh, let, let's let's remove the spoiler warning and we'll bring back everyone who, who is skipping over. S-P-O-I-L. Spoil. Soiled it! Soiled it! Soiled it! You ruined it and I'm leaving. <laughs> that last guy always <laughs> catches me off guard. Uh, <laughs> welcome back if you've skipped over the spoilers for Spider-Man Far From Home. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. Go see it and then come back and, and watch our spoilers. Uh, this movie, to me, is excellent and fun. Uh, I had such a blast seeing this. I'm going to go see it again very soon and maybe even tonight. Fun-solent. Uh, fun-solent, yes. Uh, I, I, I loved it so, so much. Uh, it's I, I'm, I'm trying not to stick it in my, my uh, rankings yet, but I know that it will likely finish the year very high. Um, so uh, it, it's You know awesome. what they didn't do in that movie? What's that? MJ didn't scream to Peter, I love you! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to move Alita up my list or it's going to get bumped out of my 10, but uh, right. you got to keep it in well, there. Well, you got you to gotta let things happen as they happen. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the day, you won't be able to scream, I love you, to Alita because it will be out of your top 10. Uh, we'll fucking see about that, man. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home is in theaters now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we are... Uh, we are recommending you see it ASAP on the biggest and loudest screen you can. This movie is a blast. Um, <clears throat> you're going to want to make sure you're caught up with the MCU, though, or you're going to get some shit spoiled. So that would be the one kind of downside is uh, you're, you have to be caught up or some of the shit's going to confuse you. Um, so make sure uh, that you're caught up and that you watch Spider-Man Far From Home. Let us know what you thought of the movie. Uh, hit us up on either Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we'd love to chat with you even more about it. I could talk all day about Spider-Man. So, uh, You know what's... You- you know what's crazy is all, the three movies I saw this weekend all ended up at some place in my top ten. Dude, that's awesome. I yeah. I think July is going to be the month this year. Like we've got oh, uh, we've got the Lion King. Stuber. Stu- Stuber. Stuber is coming out this weekend. This week. Uh, and then uh, of course we have um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I'm incredibly uh, stoked for. Um, and 
a lot of good stuff going on. It seems like the summer is is fitting to get back on track. So that's very good. A well, fantastic I did look though, like at, I, I did look after July, and it's not looking good after July. So <laughs> well, you're not going to Hobbs and Shaw. Re- <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like, like Lion King, a uh, week from Thursday. Oh man, that that movie's probably just gonna wreck me. Oh yeah, yeah, I can't wait for that shit, dude. July is looking up. We are very happy with what we've been seeing, um, and uh, we're going to continue to see all stuff. Uh, you can expect next week reviews for Stuber, uh, and I'm hoping to get to Crawl. Um, so, uh, Crawl to Stuber. I'll crawl to Stuber. I will go to Stuber if it has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not Well, that's not fair. Stuber. Man, you're going to miss out on the, com- the best comedy of the summer if you don't go to Stuber. You're going to have to put it on my list. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. If I'm watching Stuber. Then. I'm doing it. But I don't care if I like it or not. I'm putting it on your list just for the fuck of it. No, I, w- I wouldn't. If I don't like it, I wouldn't do that. I, I wouldn't uh, compromise the integrity of my list. Of course not. To uh, just make you watch the best comedy of the summer. You know, it's it, it's probably going to be fucking excellent. <laughs> I'm just being prideful because I, I hated it immediately when I saw it. Now I'm being prideful and won't change my mind about it. But. It's probably yeah. going to be really good, and I'm going to have to go see it and then tell you that it's funny, and then I'm going to feel like an asshole. Yeah, you will. Yep. But uh, more to come. See, uh, Find out next week if I went to Stuber uh, on episode 103. Um, but a uh, lot of reviews, a lot of talk, a lot of great film uh, this weekend. So if you're going to the movies, um, you got a lot of great options right now. So that's going to do it for our reviews, and uh, we are nearing the end of the show. Uh, but, of course, before we go... We gotta give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I want to update the folks at home about uh, something we talked about a long, long time ago, uh, which is my PlayStation Network name. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I have finally changed my name. Um, some of some some longtime listeners of the show will remember that uh, for a long time, about six years, my PlayStation Network name was all capitals Cervix Buster. <laughs> which and now is so horrible um and i i I guess i thought it was funny in 2013 and i didn't think anyone was ever going to see it because i only got that to buy a game that i wasn't ever going to play online but now that i play online i'm like i gotta fucking fix this name and i have a friend here who's female who was like hey i want to add you on psn what's your name and i was like uh don't add me yet (laughs) (laughs) so i have since changed the name my new name is um is cervix buster 69 cervix buster 69 your gd right it is no that's not true it's uh <laughs> it's co 3428 um so uh if you uh if you want to friend me on on psn you can friend me at, at co 3428 and seth is a chef 5564 so um hit us up on psn we're playing a lot of crash team racing lately i am fucking great at it uh, and nah. CTR, a, a quickie like little review of it is fantastic. There's a lot of new features and things. The tracks um, are exactly as you remember them, but re-rendered, and uh, it's just as fun as I remember the old CTR uh, being. So I'm playing a lot of that lately. So uh, get yourself CTR and uh, and friend us on PSN. And actually, just uh, for those who don't know, the 3428 and his PSN name is for how many cervix he, cervixes he's busted. <laughs> so. It's still in there. It's still it's still a reference in his in his name. Yeah, CTR's fun and um it's been it's been good whooping your ass. So please. <laughs> so my one more thing. As I mentioned just a little earlier, it is July seventh, uh, which means we are four th- excuse me, three days removed from the fourth of July. And 
One of my favorite events every year is the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating <laughs> Competition. Yeah. And, and I don't know why I said that with such emphasis, but I did. And so this year, of course, Joey Chestnut, it's a its a formality at this point. He won again. He put 71 wings down his throat. And so Sounds like a fun uh, he, he's the champ. But prior to the fourth, I think he was, on, he was even on the third or the second, uh, ESPN did a 30 for 30 about Joey Chestnut and Kobayashi. It's called The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry. <laughs> and this is about 10 years ago when the whole fiasco went down with Kobayashi and he got like, thrown out of the the competition or he was basically wasn't invited in because of some shit that went down um within the major league eating and stuff but he uh tried coming in he tried jumping on stage during the competition and got arrested and handcuffed out and stuff and so this is about that whole thing and then about kind of kobayashi's rise and then that whole thing that happened and then joey chestnut's rise and you know kind of where the where how all that happened and documented it's pretty short it's like 22 minutes i think but uh, it's it's uh, it's definitely for those fan for those who are fans of uh, people eating eating uh, processed ham and uh, different pig parts. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this one, uh, especially you get to you know see some slow motion dog challenge. So that's always fun to watch. Oh boy, uh, Joey Chestnut choking down some dogs, and <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, CTR this week in one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. The uh, this week actually, I don't. I I just realized this uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, during this week, uh, we will have crossed over our two-year uh, anniversary of starting the Soco Show and the Ride Home. Our Ooh. our first ever Ride Home was uh, for Spider-Man: Homecoming, which was a, which was a fun one. So yay for us, two years, uh, and we're we're still cranking these bitches out. So. Uh, thanks to all who have who have been with us along the way. We're happy to be celebrating uh, our second uh, our second little podiversary. Yeah, bitches. <laughs> yeah, bitches. Um, <laughs> that's uh, that's gonna do it for the show this week. Make sure you check out the description box for links to our sponsors, all the contact info. Be part of the conversation and help us grow the audience. Share us out. Uh, bring in a friend to join in the fun. So. Uh, this has been it for episode number 102. Make sure you come on back in seven days. Uh, I have been the seven co-host, days. Cody Michael, for the so-host, Seth Ott. We will see you next week. Bye, bitches. Bye.